Well, good morning, church. Um, it is so great to have worshiped with you this morning and to be together at a distance uh, as we are. As you can tell, uh, we've had a team that have started preparing the house, the church, for Christmas. As I imagine, you might be preparing uh, your own house for Christmas. I know yesterday, my wife and kids and I went out uh, to get a Christmas tree, um, and that was an experience. Uh, that's probably the best thing I can say. Hey, well, my name is Josiah, in case I haven't had the chance to meet you, and I get the privilege of being one of the pastors on staff here. Um, in fact, my wife and I, we are the location pastors in Vernon. And I'm excited to share with you a message today, and uh, I'm going to give you a title in a moment if you're taking notes at home, which I highly encourage you to do. Um, be braced for that. Pastor Dave shared a few of the announcements of things that are coming up in the life of our church, and I just wanted to highlight one thing um, before I went into my message, and that was this, is this Wednesday, <coughs> excuse me, this Wednesday, we're having a prayer meeting. Now, that seems a bit funny to say, seeing as we can't really gather at this time in BC, but on Wednesday, what we're asking, we're asking that you would, uh, you would scatter together in prayer. So what we figured is this would be a great time for us to join together with someone in our household, whether it be your spouse or someone nearby, and go down to your city core. So it can be done anywhere you are, whether you're in Kelowna or Vernon, Armstrong, Revelstoke. Go down to your city core between the hours of 7 p.m. and 8 p.m. on Wednesday, December the 2nd, and pray for the city. How many of you know that this is a great time in our lives to actually activate the power of prayer? So I, we're asking that you take half an hour in that time to go down to your city core and pray on the streets of the city. Pray for the prosperity of the city. Pray for the health of the city, the business community, the politics, the government. But just pray and cover our cities in prayer. Now, if getting down to your city core is a challenge, I know at my household that would be a bit of a challenge with us having um, you know, two kids that would be near bedtime at that time. What we ask for you to do is if you can't make it to your city core, take that same 30 minutes and pray in your neighborhood. Pray for the same things, your city, your neighbors. But why don't we be a church that rises up and, and scatters in prayer this Wednesday? So I highly encourage you to put that down in your calendar. Wednesday between 7 and 8, 30 minutes of prayer. Well, uh, I, I want to get into my message this morning because my time is ticking. And if you know anything about how I preach, uh, I don't respect the time very well. <laughs> so I, I want to share a message. And, and I was, um, I've been doing a Bible in a year plan with a number of people. And recently we've just gone through the book of Romans. And I wanted to share a message out of the book of Romans for you this morning. Now the book of Romans is written by a gentleman named Paul. And Paul is actually someone that would be quite relevant for us today because how many of you know it's, it's weird times all around? I know I saw a church Facebook post from our church recently saying it's weird times, meet us online or something along the gist of that. But it's weird times. You know, we didn't anticipate that we would be meeting in homes right now. We anticipated that we'd be gathering in buildings. We didn't anticipate that we would be concerned about what our gatherings for Christmas would look like. Uh, I don't know about you, but if you've had conversations with people lately, the other thing that's prevalent beyond just the weirdness and lack of uh, anticipation of what's going on is actually the great division that's everywhere. You can bring up any topic of today and find vicious division over the topics of today. People have their own clear individual convictions, despite the fact that your conviction may be just as clear, but entirely the opposite. 
Now, Paul, he wrote uh, these letters to churches in his day and age. Now, Paul had been converted to Christian, uh, to the Christian faith. He had uh, encountered Jesus, if you will, in a powerful way. Prior to that, he was a trained Jewish, uh, he, he, was, he was a well-trained Jewish man, and he came to know Jesus. And we can, we can attest to him, or we can, we can thank him for a lot of the theology that we have today because of his letters that are written to churches. Now I'm encouraged by Paul because Paul actually wrote to churches that were distant from him in the same way that you're distant from me right now. Paul didn't write to churches he was in the same room as. He actually wrote to people that were distant, like I said. And this letter is unique in in Paul's letters because he's writing to a church in Rome that he had never been to. A church that did not know him other than by reputation. The church is interesting in its own self because we can't track back exactly where it came to being from. We can't track who planted or started the church in Rome. Our best understanding is that there was a group of people who were in Jerusalem at Pentecost, the day where the Holy Spirit fell on the, div- on the disciples in the upper room, and that a group of people who were there and encountered the Holy Spirit at that time went back to Rome and started a church. It was organic. It was unconventional. Of course, people had moved into the cities as we recognize happens in a lot of our cities who'd moved into the cities who have the Christian faith and joined to them. But they actually met in houses just like we are right now. So in some ways, I'd love to say, you know, to the house that meets in Russ and, or to the church that meets in Russ and Jasmine Brackenberry's home today, to the church that meets in Robbie Solano's home today. You understand what I'm saying. So this is where Paul writes. And I, I, I wanna tell you the title of my message and I want you not to brace yourself too much. But the title of my message this morning is Do the Right Thing. <clears throat> Seems like a great time to pause for water. Our awkward pauses worse at home than they, are, than they are in a church building with people? You can tell me later. Now, I want to pull away. We're going to talk about do the right thing, the title of my message, but I want to give you a verse that's found in Romans 8.28, and I want to remind us of this before we get into this. And in Romans 8.28, it says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Let's put aside the things of today for a moment and remember the truth of the word of God that says all things work together for good to those who love God. Do not worry, do not stress, do not be concerned, do not be overwhelmed by the pressures that you see in the world today that are trying to put themselves on you. But remember today, for this just moment, all things work together for good. Do I know how they're gonna work together for good? Do I know how that is gonna be solved? No, not a clue. But let's stand firstly on this word, that all things work together for good. Now, let's dig into Romans for a moment. Now, the book of Romans, as I said, Paul wrote to a church that was meeting in uh, Rome that he hadn't been to. It was a church that was full of Jewish people who had uh, an understanding of Yahweh or God, and it was also written to Gentiles who had been kept away from the religion of the day. And in fact, it was interesting because in that church in itself was great division. I'm sure as we see division in the world, we don't see division in our church, right? 
I'm sure none of you who are listening have very different opinions than I do about the circumstances and situation we're in. I'm sure we're all on the same page. I say that facetiously, of course. But there was great division because there was the Jewish people who had come to faith in one way, who felt like the Gentiles needed to abide by the same faith in the same way that they did. They had the Torah, they had circumcision, and they felt like that was necessary for people to encounter God. Now the Gentiles could not figure out why they needed to do things that weren't relevant to faith in Jesus. And of course what happens when we have differing points of view, we think the other person's wrong. It seems somewhat natural. But, but the writer of Romans, Paul actually, he writes to them, he first goes to the Jews and tells them that of all the reasons why the Gentiles don't need to abide by this. And then he goes to the Gentiles making very sure to tell them that they do not need to take their freedom as a liberty to, call, to cause struggle or barriers for other people. In some ways, what he actually says is he says, although you are free to do all of these things, it would be wise for you not to do them so that you save other people. In that, actually, we, we wrap very quickly the whole of what the gospel is. Now, you might be convinced at times that the book, the Bible, is actually a book of moral obligation or a, a moral direction, but let me tell you, that's not exclusively or primarily what the Bible is meant for. The Bible actually primarily is meant for an opportunity for you to find relationship in Jesus, not morality. It's why when the Jewish people spent all their time finding morality in the law, they missed the point of Jesus in the end. Scripture is not meant to attack others, but actually to free others. Now I know I haven't got to my message yet. Let's, let's get there. I know you must be as excited as I am. All right, so Paul has talked to the Jewish people, the Gentiles, tried to get them on one page because there's something more powerful than, than agreeing on something and it's called unity. And actually the Bible talks about getting to a place of unity, not necessarily a place where we agree about the same things. Unity puts relationship above information. Come on, we gotta get to Romans, we're getting there. I lost the page though. So I wanna start in, uh, in the book of Romans and we're gonna start in chapter 12 uh, at, at verse nine. In my Bible, it's got a little heading on it and it says, behave like a Christian. So you know, just because I'm really cautious right now, I don't want you to feel like this is my opinion. I, I just wanna read you some scripture for a moment. Is that okay? Because what we need to be is we need to be transformed by the scripture, not transformed by our opinion. How many of you know that although you may have an opinion on something, if it's not in line with scripture, it's not life-giving to others? It says this, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Here's that idea of unity. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. It's the quickest way to lose out 
on knowledge. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. Here's a heavy scripture right here. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Right there, it tells you that anything that's in your power to create peace in relationship is your responsibility. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. In a time of great division, in a, in a time where unity is so hard to come by, in as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Man, that could, that could preach right there. I could stop right on that verse because I know there's enough in that to convict me of some actions that I've been taking. If it is possible, as much as depends on me, I need to live peaceably with all men. But what about that? No, no, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Coming to a place of unity over and above agreement of information. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give peace to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Wow, that's a powerful scripture. I, I wonder in this day where things are so diverse, how we get to a place that we know what the right thing is. I find myself challenged quite regularly of what the right action is. It's, it's not as simple as I would help it would be. But I'm actually realizing something uh, very interesting is that it's not a call in our life for actions necessarily. In the same way that I said the Bible isn't exclusively meant to be a place where we get our moral code, but actually our relational code. So in a lot of the actions that I might take in my life right now, there's a primary purpose that resides over my opinions. Because if all of us were to live based on our opinions, live based on the information we had, we would of course end up in different places in great division. But if all of us were to live on the premise of what is brotherly love and what leads to unity, our actions would be directed very differently. You may have heard this before, okay? This, this, this verse that says, or sorry, not a verse, it's this thing that we think is a verse. It says, be in the world but not of it. I'm, I'm sure, I want you to all raise your hands because this is what I feel like you should do. So if you're in your house, yeah, you can raise your hands. But you know, we, we have this saying in church that says, um, be in the world, but not of it. Now that's not a scripture per se. It's based on scripture, but let me read. This is in 1 John. Actually, if the, the guys can throw it up on the screen, that'll probably be faster than me find it in my Bible. It comes, from, uh, it, it comes partly from this. It says, do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh. Let's stop there for a moment. Let us not misinterpret the idea of what the flesh is. Although I have skin and bones and muscles, of course, and all of these things, this is not what the Bible is referring to when it talks about flesh. The actual concept of flesh is the things that serve self. The lust of the flesh is to do the things that I want to do because it's best for me. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, 
and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Let me, uh, let me see if I can find in my notes for a moment this thought. Because we can think about this, this verse or this, this idea, not this verse, sorry, to be in the world and not of it. And it very well can, can direct our actions, but let me articulate it in this way. I think another way we can surmise it. I'd say it in this way. Encounter the reality of the human condition of love, of loss, of pain, of suffering, of joy, hope, and hopelessness. Being in relationship with Jesus does not keep us from any of those things. We get joy and we get sorrow. We get hope and we get hopeless. We have love and we have loss and pain. This is what it means to be a part of the world is to experience things just like Jesus experienced our world the same. Encounter the reality of the human condition of love, of loss, of pain, of suffering, of joy, of hope, and hopelessness just as the rest of the world do. But do not act nor react in the same way. I think you can change and and understand this same verse from 1 John as not what we hear it in this simple sense of do not, or of being the world, but not, uh, but not of it. What does that actually mean? It means that I'm going to encounter the things of this world. I've got two young children. My children are six and four. I just have to think for a moment. And I am their father. And I would like to shelter them from everything in this world that could hurt them. I would like to but I'm learning it's impossible. I'm learning that actually my ability to lead my children well is not about me restricting their ability or restricting them from encountering things, but teaching them how to encounter things when they do. There's a world that is trying to invade us right now, and I don't mean that in in a, a war way, but there is a war in our minds, I guess I could say, where the thoughts of this world or the opinions of the world are trying to make their way into the Christian world as well or into the church world or well or into your world as well. We are in the world and we are are pressed on all sides. We are are, uh, affected by all these other things, but it is now our responsibility to declare that we are not of this world. That we actually know how to react and act the right way. What is the right way to react and act. Well, this is so much of what Romans is telling us. It goes on in the, in the chapter, uh, in chapter 14, in, uh, I'm gonna read this to you in the message version. Let me, let me get it, or they'll get it on the scripture, or on the screen, I'm sure, before I do, but we'll see, we'll race. Romans, oh, they beat me. No, this isn't, Romans 14, verse one. Welcome with open arms, fellow believers who don't see things the way you do. And don't jump all over them every time they do or say something you don't agree with. Even when it seems that they are strong on opinions but weak in the faith department, remember that they have their own history to deal with. Treat them gently. What is the right thing in this day and age? Let me tell you, you will not find the right thing from your news feed. Not your news feed or your Google news as I use. You may find information for today, 
but let us find the direction of our life from scripture. What is the right thing? The right thing very simply can be summed up like this. It's the thing that treats others with brotherly love. Jesus is recorded in Matthew saying, how do you sum up the law, the, the Torah, the, the existence of scripture at that time? How do you sum it up into something that is accomplishable, something that is, is a small tidbit, something that I can do something with? How do I sum this all up? And he says, you sum it up in this way. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Do the right thing. Is it loving God and is it loving others? Because if it's not, it's not the right thing that scripture's talking about. Unity is above agreement because it's loving God and loving others. It's putting the relationship above the information. In a time where information is prevalent and your conclusion is different than mine and my opinion is different than yours, let us come to a place that isn't about opinions, but is about scripture and the word of God. That says, is it, Loving God, and is it loving others as ourselves? Is it loving God, and is it loving others as ourselves? I'm actually encouraged by this one spot. It says in, uh, they won't bring it on the screen, but it's in Romans 12, verses 12, and it says this again. It says, rejoice in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. Continuing steadfastly in prayer. Let me ask you this question with whatever perspective or vantage point or idea we have today, have we prayed? I, if you know me, which many of you may do, I can tell you for certainty, I have an opinion on every single thing that's going on in your life, my life, the world, things that don't affect me. I have an opinion, promise you of it. But have I prayed about it? Because my opinion will not bring freedom to other people. And will I let my opinion overrule my responsibility for the purpose Christ has sent me for? Will I cause my voice to be void because I didn't take to scripture and to God what was his to proclaim rather than what was mine, the, the lust of the flesh, the thing that's self-serving? Continuing steadfast in prayer. I am learning and, and, and encouraged personally right now that this is a time more than ever to turn my heart to prayer. Now, prayer isn't just talking to God, which always has seemed a little funny to me because he already knows the things going on in my heart. So I pray not for his benefit, but for my benefit when I pray to him. But remember, prayer isn't just about the things I can say to God, but we need to leave space in our prayer life for him to speak to us. God knows the things in my heart, but I need to know the things in his. Because the things in his heart will challenge me. The things in his heart will bring freedom to my neighborhood. The things in his heart will cause problems that were insurmountable to break down. What are the things in his heart? My title, my message to you today from the book of Romans, a great book, you should read it. Do the right thing. The right thing is not about our opinions or our information, but it's actually about our responsibility to others. Is what I'm doing in line with God? 
love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind? And does it benefit our neighbors? Love thy neighbor as themselves. This is my encouragement to you, church. In a moment, we're going to turn this, turn this service over uh, to our location leads, and they're going to lead us in prayer. If you have a prayer request, please put it in the YouTube chat here because they would love to pray with you on that. Don't forget, on Wednesday, we have a, a scatter in prayer time in every city to go down and spend some time in prayer because the city doesn't just need my opinions. The city doesn't just need what I think, but the city really needs is the Spirit of God to invade its space. They need a connection from heaven. They need a touch from heaven. And you want to know something? It's available. To you, the church that meets in your home, to me, to the church that meets in the studio, it's available. Hey, why don't we turn it over to the prayer team as they lead us in prayer. Leave your prayer requests in the chat as they take it from here. Thanks, team.